welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. We returned for season six to answer the biggest question for a career military families. So when are we going to get out? And everything involved with answering this question. I'm Jen Amos, creator and co-host of Holding Down the Fort and a Gold Star family member and veteran spouse. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, co-host and chief shower-upper here on Holding Down the Fort. Together, we will converse with special guests from and for our military community to share knowledge and resources and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort while on active duty, going through transition, and into post-military life. Now, let's get into the show. don't really see the mental health issues our service members are facing until it hits close to home. A quote by Grant Kahn. The loss of two close friends became the catalyst to Grant Kahn seeking out and creating awareness of mental health resources. The desire to help fellow service members became so important to Grant that he put his military career on the line when he posted an unapproved video about mental health on Reddit. Grant reflects on when he became aware of his mental health struggles, the biggest barrier of service members asking for help, his terrifying transition that turned out to be a blessing in disguise, what post-military life looks like for him today, and much more. Grant, it was such a pleasure to have you on our show. I really enjoyed our conversation. I also want to warn you all with a trigger warning that we will be talking about suicidal ideation. With that said, if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is now a three-digit number, 988. The numbers 988 have been designated as the new three-digit dialing code that will route callers to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which in full is 1-800-273-8255. But once again, It's now a three-digit dialing code, 988. Of course, you can learn more at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Also, I highly encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode to check out any other recommended mental health resources. Thanks to Grant. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth. If you are looking for another podcast show to listen to in between holding down the fort episodes... I highly recommend that you check out Holding Down the Fort's sister podcast show, The Spouse Benefit Plan. Now, what is The Spouse Benefit Plan? Well, it's a play on your military benefit that gets presented to you toward the end of your transition, about 90 days before transition, when you have to decide whether you want to keep the survivor benefit plan or decline it. And so if you are in that phase of your military career, you are entering transition or starting to prepare for transition and want to get informed on how to prepare, especially financially for post-military life, I highly recommend that you check out the Spouse Benefit Plan by U.S. Vet Wealth. Right now we have seven episodes at the time that I'm recording this ad. This show has been a labor of love and the feedback I have been receiving so far has been wonderful. So thank you all who have decided to expand from Holding Down the Fort to listen to the show, The Spouse Benefit Plan by U.S. Vet Wealth. So 
Go ahead and take a listen now. It's the kind of show that you have to listen to in chronological order. So go ahead and check that out in your preferred podcasting platform. Once again, the podcast show is called The Spouse Benefit Plan by U.S. Vet Wealth. Or you can check out the website, thespousebenefitplan.com. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to my initial announcements. Now, please enjoy our conversation today with Grant Kahn. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Jen Amos here. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here today. Yes, it's been fun because we're actually doing interviews again. (laughs) I know. Again, feels like it's been a year since we've done this. Yeah, for sure. We've been spending a lot of time doing pre-interviews. And it's funny because I feel like I'm repeating the same thing I said in the last episode that just came out because I was just talking about this in the last episode. But I think it's worth mentioning just for our listeners to know that there's so much planning that goes on in order for the show to be consistent. So y'all are welcome. Anyway, with that being said, we are really excited as we always are because we get to have another incredible guest in our community. So let me go ahead and introduce you all to Grant Kahn, who is a veteran and a mental health advocate. We've been talking, like I said, via pre-interview and even a little bit before Jenny Lynn hopped on here to you know, chat about some things. So without further ado, Grant, welcome to Holding Down the Fort podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, for sure. So I know that you know Matthew, Jenny Lynn's husband, in case our listeners don't know by now. I'm curious to know (laughs) how you guys know each other. You know, honestly, just in passing and over social media, we've never really met face to face, but we just connected at some point when I was at, I want to say Navy Recruiting Command. And Mm -hmm. from there, we just stayed in contact with each other. Yeah, I love how like transient our military community is. And yet, you know, even if you just kind of know each other online or in passing, there's sort of this fundamental like, yeah, like, you know, I'm here for you, like, if you need me, or I think you're awesome, you know, like, just this general respect, even for someone that you haven't really spent a lot of time in person. So obviously, I know that Matthew is a great person. And so I think by extension, you must be a great person too to be on the show. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jenny Lynn, curious if you had any opening thoughts. Did you know, Grant, you know, before. Yeah. Did you know Grant? <laughs> Actually, no, I mean, the first time I met, quote unquote, met Grant was when we did our pre-interview with him. Uh, you know, like Matthew, I think Matthew saw him on LinkedIn, you know, some social and was like, hey, you know, who you guys should have on the podcast, Chief Grant, like he does a lot of work in mental health and like helps people out. And, you know, you guys like mental health and community. And so I reached out to Grant via social media. And here we are. The power of social media. I feel like social media is sort of like a double-edged sword sometimes, but when it works in your favor, it works in your favor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Well, Grant, you are a civilian now. You're a veteran. And one of the main topics we're going to get into today is mental health. But I do want to start with your service, a little background on your service and sort of what compelled you to advocate for mental health. So let's start there. Your time in the service to, you know, kind of what sparked that inspiration for you to advocate for mental health? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent 13 years in the Navy, joined as an E1 out of Staten Island, New York, and went over to the USS Amelie Roberts out of Mayport, Florida, spent about five years on that ship, made it up to about EM2, then did a few deployments on that ship, did another deployment in between part of another command, and then attached the USS Peleliu out of San Diego. 
from there, I went to Navy Recruiting Command. And after Navy Recruiting Command, I went to my final duty station at Chinfo, where I got to spend two years, which was also very interesting because I think I was the only career recruiter possibly in the entire Pentagon. And definitely the only career recruiter that was doing work inside of like the PAO field. So it was a very, very interesting role for me. When I started advocating for mental health, so I lost two of my close friends from my first shift from the San Jose Roberts, almost back to back. And it was over the holiday season. And I kind of thought to myself, what is preventing these service members from going and seeking help? Like, what's that barrier there? Because I had mm-hmm. mental health issues and I went to go seek help in 2012, like 2011, 2012 timeframe. And I was able to recover from it. But what's stopping these other service members? And you heard about it. You heard about suicide. You heard about depression. You heard about all of these mental health issues that our service members are facing. But until it hit that close to home to someone that I interacted with almost daily and have deployed with and, you know, been on boarding teams with, until it hits that close to home, you don't really, you know, you don't really see it. So once that happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put it all on the line here. And I was, I want to say I was in Pensacola, Florida training. And I called my wife. I'm like, hey, I'm about to make a video. I'm going to put it on Reddit. And I'm pretty much going to put my whole career on the line because I'm not going to get permission from any PAOs or leadership or anything like that. And I put this video out on Reddit. And from there, just kind of started to snowball into something uh, that, you know, that I really wouldn't have expected it to. Well, that's pretty wild and very risky of you, as you said. (laughs) I I am curious to know, Grant, first and foremost, because you were asking this question of what is is stopping other service members from actually seeking out mental health? I want to know from your end, when did you know that you had mental health issues? And more importantly, when did you kind of know after that, how did you know you needed to get help? Because I think that's where it starts. It's like the self-awareness that you're going through something and also the desire to actually seek out help for it. Yeah. So, you know, you don't really see it when you're deployed. You don't really see it when you're out there doing whatever mission you're set out to do. You begin to see it, at least for me, like when you get home and when you get home, it's kind of like, hey, what is this that I'm going through? And you think to yourself like, oh, it's going to go away or it's going to get better. And it doesn't. Uh, You know, I tell everyone that mental health is not like breaking a bone, you know, like if you break your bone and you just neglect it, it's going to heal eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not heal correctly, but eventually it's going to heal. Mental health is not like that. It's going to continuously to get worse. And it's just, you know, the darkness is just going to get darker and you're going to keep like getting yourself into this hole until it's going to be very difficult to get out. So yeah, I started seeing it around 2012 and it wasn't until you know, now my wife, but my girlfriend was like, hey, like, you need to go talk to someone. Hmm. Yeah, for the girlfriend slash now wife. Yeah, yeah. She's your wife for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great synopsis of how kind of military mental health, like, gets as far down the road as it does is, you know, in my own experience as military spouse, who was also the sounding the alarm of like, hey, hey, something's happening. You know, it was very much the same. As long as he stayed busy everything was okay. 
And it was the moment that we slowed down as a family or work slowed down that it was like, oh, something's going on here. And I think especially career military folks are chronically busy. And so it's kind of hard to know what's going on if you're always so busy that you never have the time to go, hey, something's not right. Like you just get in the cycle of busy and busier. I mean, that that was very true for our family. And then it's, hey, if you have a moment of downtime, you know, the other thing I've found, if you have that moment of downtime, it's, well, do I really want to go spend it with a therapist? And it's usually the answer is like, no, I'd rather go to the beach or I'd rather go, you know, do something with the family. And unfortunately, that cycle also starts to play out in the families where, you know, because somebody isn't getting well, like then those down moments aren't all that fun, (laughs) you know, and aren't all that healthy for anyone. And so, you know, I think that was a, a great description of why one of the many reasons of why it's uh, difficult, it's not the right word, but, you know, why people don't seek services the minute they feel like hmm, something might be off here. Yeah. And Grant, I just want to take a minute to commend you for trusting your, you know, your wife, girlfriend at the time, because I think in your position, you could have easily just said, I don't have a problem. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Or you just avoid it altogether. You know, like Jenny Lynn said, like find other ways to fill in that downtime other than dealing with your mental health. So, you know, I think this is, I think the first lesson of really our conversation today is trust your spouse. <laughs> they can tell if something has changed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Before I move ahead and talk about a little bit about Reddit, I'm curious if there's any other closing thoughts you wanted to share, Grant. No, I mean, before I, you know, I, I say went upstairs just because medical is right above my shop. Um, before I went upstairs, I went and spoke to leadership. And that was probably one of the most difficult things that I had to do because in my mind, the biggest barrier and the biggest barrier for a lot of service members is telling leadership that they want to go seek help because mm-hmm. they're worried about the repercussions. They're worried about, you know, am I going to lose my career? Are they going to talk bad about me? Are they going to make fun of me? Are, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and there's a big stigma around it. Is there leadership that will do that? Absolutely. You know, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. There will be leadership out there that are going to do everything that I just said. But there's also leadership out there that'll be like, okay, go, go Mm. for it. And they'll completely support you 100% of the way. And that's luckily how mine reacted. Were there people whispering and talking on the mess decks? Yes. Were there people talking crap while I was on watch, you know, in, in the engine room? Yes. But, you know, it's one of those things to where you have to put yourself before you put the Navy and the entire time that we're racing the Navy, it's always ship, shipmate self. But when it comes to like your health and your mental health, it shouldn't be like that. It should be yourself, then your shipmate, then your ship. Yeah. I like how you said that, like, you know, ship, shipmates, and then self. And Mm -hmm. the fact that it's been ingrained to put yourself last. By the way, where's family in that? (laughs) You know? So again, I just want to say kudos to you. In the military, it's all about kind of being selfless, essentially and thinking about anyone else but yourself. But you took that moment to take the sign from your girlfriend at the time to like actually look into your mental health. And so that being said, let's talk about the huge risk you took on Reddit. <laughs> and let's talk about like the pause, like, you know, what was that process for you to share on there, the reaction you got, and of course, the consequence. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was on travel. I was in Pensacola. And 
you know, I went on Reddit in my uniform and I was like, hey, my name is Chief So-and-so. This is my story. This is how I got help. And if you guys, you know, if anyone is struggling or if anyone knows someone is struggling, please feel free to reach out. And I put my phone number out there. I had no idea how Reddit worked. No idea. I just knew that there was this, you know, group called Our Navy. And I'm like, I, I think this would be the perfect place for it. And I was met with about 85% positivity and about 15% of people just like bashing me in the comments, mm -hmm. uh, people going after the chief's mess, just like stuff that has nothing to do with it, just to go out and say something negative. And the reason that I chose Reddit is because of that anonymous wall that it lives, you know, it lives on. People just go and completely speak freely on there without the threat of any repercussions questions or being tracked down or anything like that. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the raw kind of unfiltered commentary. So I did it. And I would say maybe about a day later, I got an email from our PAO and it's like, Hey, let's have a conversation when you get back to Millington. So <laughs> I got back to Millington and she was like, Lovely. don't ever do that again without our permission. We should have vetted the video. We should have done this. We should have done that. It has to be sent up. There's a lot of eyes on this video. You know, they're like, it, it's it's all the way up in DC at this point, which I'm like, whoa. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Later on, once I worked in DC, it's like I was like, oh well, that's not really. It's they just, just try to like, scare you in a sense yeah. like, oh, it's all the way up in DC now. Like, look what you've done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just sitting on someone's desk. So that's kind of how the reaction went. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very interesting how they like kind of nitpicked at the video. And even though actually, I'm kind of curious to know, and maybe it's because you shared your phone number, but how did they know that it was you on Reddit? Like, how did they even find the content? They just I, have a way. I, yeah, just I <laughs> oh, guess man. word spreads very fast. And there's, you know, Navy Times is all over the Reddit group. And there's a bunch of reporters on there and PAOs on there. Wow. There's a lot of officers on there, so I definitely wasn't, you know, the only one. Wow. Well, first and foremost, again, I have to commend you for taking that risk. I'm curious. So they basically told you, like, don't do that again. And what came after that? Because I know that eventually, you know, you have been medboarded and had an unexpected early transition. So between that time of saying, hey, don't do that ever again to, you know, being medboarded, like what, what happened within that time frame? Yeah. So during that time frame, I transferred out of Millington and I came over to Chinfo. And during that entire time, I want to say it was about two and a half years, I began to speak to a lot of service members on Reddit and not just in the Navy, but Air Force, Marines, Army, Coast Guard, every single branch out there both active duty and reserves and kind of just became that sounding board for mental health. And it got to a point to where I couldn't really do everything by myself and I needed more resources. So myself, a few veterans, a few active duty service members, we all kind of came together and we made this group to where our job was going to be to listen on social media, to watch on social media for service members or veterans talking about suicide or flagging posts for us, like flagging goodbye posts or anything like that. Mm. And kind of also advocating as well. And as soon as we would find someone, we would begin to dive into our networks and the resources that we had to locate this service member. There have been 
you know, very, I don't want to say easy ones, but very kind of like simple ones to where we would reach out and be like, Hey, what's going on? And they say, Oh, we're, you know, I'm just having a bad day. And we would give them resources and that was it. They'd be like, thank you. We're going to look into it. And there are other ones to where we would get local law enforcement involved and they stop someone on the Coronado bridge about the jump. Oh my gosh. Or wow. someone calls me a few days before Valentine's day and says, you know, I'm about to shoot myself and I want you to be the last person that I speak to. And I could hear them loading their weapon and racking their <laughs> weapon as they're talking to me on the phone. So, you know, it, it, it was a very wild two and a half years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No one can see your face. Like everyone's eyes got really big as Grant said that. No one can see that on the podcast. They're that that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but this group was, I mean, amazing. They were all over the world. And whenever one of us would send a message, we, we would immediately jump on and start communicating, start going into resources. Doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning or you know, eight o'clock at night, they they're always on. Wow. I just love how you all were such evangelists, you know, to really seek out these service members who may have hinted at suicidal ideation. And really, like you said, pulling together your resources to try to connect with them and let them know that they're not alone and share some resources. I'm curious to know, because I think it's always good to know like the top resources that have been most useful. What are some resources that you have found to be a really good reference in sharing with, with these service members? Yeah. So, and this one I'm actually really surprised with because I was about to get fired from my Chinfo job. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, you're going to go meet with another admiral and, you know, we'll see if he wants to take you on. And I sat down with this admiral and he asked me that same question. He was like, What's the one resource that you point people to? And I said, Well, Mm -hmm. I point people to military one source. And he was like, What's that? Wow. (gasps) And when, wow. Yeah. And when someone of that rank that has been in the Navy probably longer than I have been alive says, what's that to one of the top mental health resources, it just showed me the entire, like, if he doesn't know, then other leaders don't know. And if other leaders don't know, then junior service members don't know. So the main one that I used to point to is military resource, just because it's, You know, you don't need a referral for it. It's free. They'll keep your chain of command out of it. But now, just recently, have you heard of Doctors on Demand? Mm -hmm. So Doctors on Demand and Humana or TRICARE started working together. And they're good for, you know, urgent care visits at home, but they're also good for mental health visits. So now you can literally start a mental health counseling session from the comfort of your home and you don't have to wait the three to six months that you would wait, you know, on base or off base. The process would be you go to your primary care, you tell them that you need a referral. And then once they put that referral in, you just really download the app. So if I was to put it in kind of like a timeline, I would say obviously first go to the emergency room. If you're really to that point to where, you know, you might hurt yourself or others. If not, doctors on demand. And then if not doctors on demand, then uh, military one source. Jenny Lynn and I are taking notes. <laughs> you know, 
This will be in the show notes. Another one out there that's available as of July 16th. So this will probably come out after that. The new suicide hotline number is 988. Mm -hmm. So instead of having Mm -hmm. to dial the whole, you know, (laughs) 100 digit number, you can now dial 988 and be connected with a suicide prevention specialist. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to hear that. I really appreciate you sharing that, Grant. You know, one thing I really enjoy about the show is learning about all these resources. And, you know, actually, it's thanks to the show and the guests where I've become familiar with Military One Source. And coming from a civilian perspective now, it's actually kind of wild to know that active duty service members, people who've been in service for a long time, (laughs) are completely unaware of these resources. So it really just affirms what Jenny Lynn and I are doing on the show to bring, you know, these resources to light and also just the daunting task that you and and your colleagues did to really get these resources out there. So I do want to take this time to really just thank you for taking the time to share all this in detail. I know that your service is well behind you, but to really get into the whole story of, you know, your military experience having been for 13 years, I mean, I imagine that you were probably going to go career at that point hadn't you been med boarded and kicked out essentially. So, you know, for you to kind of relive these memories and share it with us today, I don't take that for granted. So Grant, I just, that's funny. I don't take that for granted. So, mm. <laughs> so Grant, <laughs> thank you mainly to, you know, taking the time to share your story and to share these resources. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So let's go ahead and fast forward to life today. And before we do, Grant, let me go ahead and take this moment to thank our sponsor, US Vet Wealth. U.S. Vet Wealth has added another free resource on its website, usvetwealth.com. And this new resource that we are providing helps answer the question to our military retirees. So what do I do with my thrift savings plan after retirement, also known as your TSP for short? The majority of military retirees are putting their retirement assets at a significant risk by relying on generalized advice provided to them by official DOD transition seminars that have paid little attention to the specific circumstances of the individual service member. You may be told that the TSP is a safe place to leave your money in their loving embrace because, you know, low fees and all. But as you're pondering this decision, ask yourself this question. What other risk am I subjecting my retirement savings to with the thrift savings plan? Here's a hint. Market risk, inflation risk, sequence of returns risk, and life longevity risk, to name a few. Fortunately, at U.S. Vet Wealth, protecting the principle of your retirement savings is at the forefront of our strategy. In order to ensure that your money doesn't lose buying power, we have to maintain or beat inflation. That's why we utilize strategies that have consistently provided the best opportunities for growing your assets while also protecting what you've already built. With that being said, I have often mentioned the white papers for survivor benefit plan alternatives on the show, in which you can still download for free at usvetwealth.com. That's U-S-V-E-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And now we offer a new free download called US Vet Wealth's Veteran Retirement Rescue, in which we cover four primary goals for anyone asking the question, what do I do with my thrift savings plan after retirement? So some of our solutions include principal protection, growth opportunities, avoiding unnecessary fees, and guaranteed lifetime income. Most of all, you can guarantee yourself another income stream for life. That's right, for life. So find out more about the Veteran Retirement Rescue today 
by visiting usvetwealth.com to download your free guide today. So let's go ahead and fast forward to life today, Grant, because I know that when we were talking offline, you love being out. You love being a civilian now. So tell us about, you know, kind of this new breath of life (laughs) that you have as a veteran. Yeah, I mean, when I was told that I was being med boarded, I was terrified and I didn't know how I'd react and I didn't know Mm. how I'd be a civilian because, you know, I joined the Navy at 17 years old. Before that, Mm. I was a waiter. I never had a real job before the Navy. And everyone told me like, hey, before you get out, take a break. Take about Mm -hmm. a month break to find yourself, to learn who you are. You're going to be a brand new person. You're going to get your life back. Like, I don't have to do that. Like, I have bills to pay. All right. I I need to roll into a job. So I started working on an advertising agency and things just started coming up that I wasn't happy with. And four months later, I quit. And I took that kind of like month break that I needed and rolled into a job after that. And it's just been amazing since then. You know, I've had so much like free time to be able to spend with my kids and Mm. to really like grow as a family. It's Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't trade it for the world. Honestly, I'm really happy to hear in a way your current happily ever after where it's like you had this fear of like, okay, what is post-military life going to look like? Like all I know, my first job or my my first career was being in the military. And and I'm kind of curious if because you meant, you know, you mentioned that you had to jump into another job, you know, you had to like pay the bills. Would you say that you're, I don't know, like just kind of resentful like the way that like the, it's not like the military just like shoved you out and and at that point you had to fend for yourself essentially yeah i mean i'm really resentful towards the military not even a little bit i'm really resentful just <laughs> <Genuinely>. because <laughs> just laughing i don't want to say of how they did it i was a career recruiter i would have never deployed if i would have deployed as a career recruiter things would have been very very wrong and the issue that i had was crohn's disease and for that i would have to go and get an injection every four weeks Mm. pretty much for the rest of my life and they're like okay well you could have this life-saving surgery that you need but then we're gonna med board you wow and like a dummy at first i was like I'm not going to have it. I've been walking around with these issues for five years. I could make it, you know, seven more years. Mm. But then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, why am I putting Mm. the military that really doesn't care about anyone kind of like in front of my life and in front of my family? So I decided to have the surgery almost immediately after, after the surgery, the med board kicked off and it was very, very cut and dry. Wow. It kicked off in October. I had all of my bindings and my unfit rating and everything by, I want to say like February. And then by May, I was out. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very, very quick. Just swift. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, people don't realize the the things that the military kind of takes away from you. Mm. And then when you get out, it's just kind of like the little stuff. Like I told my boss, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to New York this weekend. And she was like, okay, go. <laughs> like, she's like, why are you telling me? Just just go to New York. And I go, there's no like paperwork or anything like that I have to fill out. She goes, are you taking PTO time? 
like what's pto like pay time (laughs) off love it like no i don't think so she goes yeah so just go to new york and it's just like little things like that that you know before you were very restricted and everything was like by the book and black and white to when you get out it's not like that it's a lot more freedom yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you know how restricted it is like after the fact when you find yourself asking your employer for permission on every little detail. I mean, that sounds like a, a pleasant culture shock in a way because it's like, oh, I can make my own choices. You know, I can do this. I think there are some terms we have to clear up for, you know, the folks that like haven't experienced this post-military life yet. PTO is paid time off. <laughs> <laughs> Most civilian jobs offer that, you know, I I think another thing, I was never in the military, I have been a military spouse, that is my connection. And you know, I'm in a job now where like, a situation came up, and I took some time off and people are like, "Uh, are you on terminal leave? And I'm like, what a military thing to say, like, (laughs) nope, literally took vacation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's meshing the two together is often really, really interesting, because there are those like, very specifically civilian things and those very specific military things. And sometimes the two never shall meet. And then you're left in this uh, weird chasm of trying to figure out what everyone's talking about. You know, I've just, I've found that very, very funny. And, and the same, like I realized that because, you know, Matthew and I've been married 13 years, you know, and I'm so used and I have spent many of those 13 years without a career that, my ingrain is to talk about things in terms of the military, like he's on leave and then civilians like you and like, he's leaving what? And I'm like, no, it's vacation. It's weird. Like, you know, just some of those that even in my current civilian job, when I say things like that, or I go to my boss and go, so I have to go out of town. And she's like, great, put it, put it in the system. Like it's no, it's fine. Yeah, this reminds me of our previous conversation with Lori Norris in regards to how to translate your, um, you know, resume, you know, your experience in military mm-hmm. into the civilian mm-hmm. world, and how she said, like, yeah, you don't put like NCO in your resume, you got to put like manager, you know, like civilians will understand right. it as like manager, for example. So it, it it truly is a whole different culture, a whole different mm-hmm. language. You when you transition out, but. Either way, Grant, it sounds like you've really embraced your civilian life and, you know, having the calm demeanor personality that you have, at least on this on this call, I wouldn't think like I can't even like imagine that you went through all that because it just seems like you are in a happier place. (laughs) Would you say that like you're kind of in a happier time in your life, a happier season in your life? Uh, Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. I do not miss the Navy at all. Like you may not be able to tell by the stuff hanging on my wall, but it used to be a lot worse. I used to have, I would probably say like 400 challenge coins and I drank the Kool-Aid heavily and I had all the t-shirts and hats and all that other stuff. And when I got out, I was like, this stuff is absolutely worthless. So <laughs> I sold, I'd say about like 80% of it. The only things that I have left are like things that really meant something to me. And mm-hmm. even like this, like the trident that I have back here, mm-hmm. that's that was just like a petty gift for myself. I didn't, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't pay my dues to be part of the Chiefsmith, <laughs> and they wouldn't give me a going away gift, which like I didn't need one. So literally, 
on that thing, it says you didn't pay your dues. So you didn't get a going away gift. And I bought it myself. I love it. Just to kind of like remind me of the culture that the military was like to where it's like, oh, we didn't get your $250 a year for absolutely nothing. We're not giving you a going away gift. We don't care about all the things that you did professionally here. We needed your $250. So like, Wow. I still won't give it to you. I'll just buy it myself. (laughs) I find it like fascinating talking to veterans in general where there's sort of this, you know, for lack of a better term, like anti-government sentiment and just sort of like the distaste or resentment of the military experience. And, you know, I'm going to say that we can say this here on holding on the fort because, you know, I'm not on active duty, so I can say things. (laughs) I feel like I can say things. But also, you know, you sharing your story also reminds me of like Scott, my husband, like, you know, he went to West Point and, you know, they had conditioned him to believe like, oh, you know, you and your classmates are likely to be in America's history books. You know, like there was just this like huge sense of pride for being in West Point. And it's interesting because we have his, you know, his uniform that he graduated with, like in storage and he wants to toss it. And I'm like, I'm like, honey, don't toss it. That might be good for the kids. Like, you know, our future kids, they might want to see this. But, you know, just sort of that, like, you know, resentment of the service is it's real and it's valid. And I think I think it's worth noting as well. I hope that our conversation doesn't necessarily like discourage people or want them to transition out sooner. But I do think that your experience, what you went through is very valid. And so I do appreciate, you know, us kind of having more of a talking more of like the darker side (laughs) of of the military and transition and post-military life. So looking back now, Grant, for service members who are contemplating transition or are in the process of transitioning or even like have that abrupt early transition, do you have any advice, any thoughts that you want to share with those service members? Yeah, do it. Don't, <laughs> don't look back. Get out. Get out. That's it. Don't, don't look back. That's no, going to be the quote of this episode. Yeah. Like, just do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be terrifying. It's definitely going to be a transition. Yeah. You know, just like when you joined and everything was brand new and you were learning everything and you're learning this new way of life, it's going to be the same exact way when you get out. doesn't matter if you do four years or if you do 30 years, the feeling is going to be exactly the same. It's going to be like, what is this new world that I'm stepping into? Uh, you know, I'll tell you one about me, like my, my first job. When I was doing the onboarding process, they asked me about my pronouns. Wow. I had no idea what pronouns were. And this was, this was last year. <laughs> and that just shows how a lot of people aren't ready to get out. And that's not something that they talk about in TAPS or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, Grant, what are your pronouns? And I'm like, I, I was so nervous to say something that will offend the other people. Mm-hmm. Like, which pronouns should I use to like not offend someone else? And they're like, no, 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 it's not like that. Just which ones do you prefer? So just like something like that to me was, I didn't really uh, understand what it was because we never spoke about it before. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, just kind of like be ready, start networking, get on LinkedIn, you know, network on LinkedIn because 75% of corporate job referrals right now or corporate jobs, I guess like, interview right now, corporate job interviews right now are referrals. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do SkillBridge, I wasn't allowed to do SkillBridge. 
had to go into a job with a referral, it is very difficult to get into a job just kind of like, you know, oh, I applied for Microsoft today. And then they saw my application and moved me forward. So network, try to get referrals, get your resume professionally written. I know they have services out there that'll do it for free. If you can't find a service that'll do it for free, I'm out of pocket for it. It's 100% worth it. If you're going to do your resume by yourself, kind of like you said earlier, nobody's going to care that you're a division leave chief petty officer. They don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to care that you're a surface warfare qualified. Again, they don't know what that means. They care about how many people did you manage? How did you manage mm. them? Mm-hmm. What was the impact? Not, I loaded 15 missiles. They don't need to know about that. You know, they need to try to word that a little bit differently. <laughs> so, I want to know, know how we would word that differently. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's packing cargo. You have to spin it in a way to where a civilian is going to understand it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I posted this earlier. Not once out of the many job interviews that I've had has anyone ever asked me what my rank was, Mm. how many times I've deployed, how many Navy achievement medals I've had. They didn't care. Honestly, they didn't even care about my degree. Like I put (laughs) on my resume and on my application that I had a degree. Nobody asked. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, you went to this school? They're like, oh, you have a master's? I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm of the era where like, you know, when we were taught how to resume build in college, like you also put your GPA on there and I'm like, nobody cares. Like, mm. no, literally no one has asked me, like, you know, I talk about my own career journey from, you know, I have an undergraduate degree in marketing management, a master's degree in elementary education. And now I advocate for mental health and literally it did, you know. It's the fact that I have a degree, not what I did or what my GPA was that 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 matters. So it's it's funny to hear all of that and all all of the wording in the resume. I know Lori's episode releases today and it was fun talking to her about the same like, yeah, being able to translate all that stuff is such a skill uh, really necessary and, and there is a way to do it. And I think you're kind of talking to that about, you know, like, no, I think the the message really is like, know who you are and how you behave as a leader versus like numbers and, and awards kind of thing. Yeah. I will say though, that almost every single interview that I've had, especially the interview that I had with the Amazon evaluations or fit reps in the Navy Help me tremendously. That is the only skill that I will say that I took from the Navy and maybe public speaking that has translated directly into the civilian world because almost every interview that I've had, they call it the STAR method. For me, it was just action impact result. What did you mm. do? What did it impact it or how did it impact whatever you were doing and what were the results? And as long as you answer every single interview question like that, you're, you're going to do great. Yeah. Be your best own best hype guy. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. And I also want to put an emphasis on what you mentioned earlier, Grant, which is the importance of networking in the civilian world. Your network is your net worth. And there's a really good term from JD Vance called social capital. Like one thing that most people don't have is social capital. They don't know 
the importance of socializing, connecting, you know, relationship building, because it's those relationships that advocate for you that, you know, move your resume from the bottom of the pile to the top. I remember like back in the day when I did work jobs, you know, all the jobs I ever got in my young 20s was because people knew me, they referred me. And I Mm. even remember one of the jobs I got, like I was already hired. And then my boss was like, Oh, by the way, can you give me your resume so I could just put on file? It's like they didn't even ask for it ahead of time. And so Mm. I think that's something that's extremely important to emphasize is the is networking and and building those relationships early on. Of course, there are a ton of nonprofits and organizations out there helping military, military connected people, service members and veterans build those relationships, build those connections. And, you know, I think it's about having that desire to want to seek those out as well, more importantly. All right. Well, Grant, as we wrap up here, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for just being so open and candid and detailed, <laughs> you know, in your in your story today. Are there any final takeaways or call to actions that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, even though I kind of like, I don't want to say spoke badly about the Navy or the military, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I did it. And am I glad that I did 13 years? Probably not. (laughs) I probably should have only done like four, but I'm definitely happy that I did it because it did put me on the right projected path for my future. Mm -hmm. And also, I think the reason why veterans are kind of like a little bit disgruntled towards the service is because we see the way that, you know, service members are treated once we get out and the conditions that we were in that we just thought were normal. Yeah. Now when we got out, it was like, oh my God, did I really do that? Did I really sit in a porta potty in the middle of the desert? <laughs> like <laughs> that's horrible. Did I really sleep in a tent in like 130 degree weather for for nothing, for minimum wage? So I think it's because like we see that. Junior service members should not be having, well, no service members should be having mold in their mm. barracks rooms. They should not be mm. having cold water. They should not be having no AC when you're at, you know, a base in the United States. Yeah. And that's why veterans are so like pushing back against the military. You know, we love the brotherhood and we love everything that it brought. But mm. now I think, you know, we want to take care of those that are in and say the things that we couldn't have said before, just because Mm -hmm. there's so much red tape around it. Mm -hmm. And I would say kind of like the last thing is just, even when you're out, don't be afraid to go and talk to people. Don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to go and talk to someone in the mental health field, talk, you know, just find what you're into and, put all of your words out there and everything that's on your chest and everything that's on your mind. And it, you know, it's going to make you feel a lot better. Love it. And while we are at it, Grant, because I know that you had openly, you know, shared your contact information on Reddit and, you know, still want to be a resource yourself. Why don't you let people know how they can get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Yeah. I mean, you could find me on Facebook, Instagram, really everywhere. WhatsApp, TikTok, Reddit, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. You know, my phone number's out there and I, you know, you're more than welcome to put all the handles and everything in the description if you'd like. But yeah, I'm, I'm still a very open person that you can get in contact with. Cool. Well, you definitely give off that vibe. You seem very approachable and understanding 
and helpful. So thank you, Grant. I think I just really appreciate you sharing your experience, strength and hope today and wrapping up with, you know, even though your experience, especially like what forced you out of the service was not stellar, you know, that you continue to advocate for those of us who are still active duty and, and in that culture. And I think, you know, it really speaks to some of the things that I hope leadership is listening to in the changing of the culture and putting, you know, uh, health and wellness of the soldier, sailor, Marine, you know, air, gosh, there's so many now airmen, guardian, coast guardsmen. <laughs> I think I got all six now first so that we do have a healthier service environment overall, not just for the individual, but for the family and then for the greater, you know, service departments. I appreciate that you've been a consistent voice in trying to change that culture and make sure that we have the healthiest people, um, you know, who are in service. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Well, with that said, Grant, thank you again so much for joining us. We really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure our listeners will as well. To our listeners, of course, if you want to get a hold of Grant, we'll provide his contact information in the show notes, or you can look him up on Reddit. Maybe it's still there. Who knows? <laughs> with that being said, thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, thanks again for joining us at Holding Down the Fort by US Vet Wealth. Once again, I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you've gotten a lot out of our conversation today, be sure to leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or you can leave us a kind LinkedIn recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Learn more about Holding Down the Fort by visiting holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And there you'll also be able to find us on social media and how to contact us directly. Thank you all so much for joining us. Until next time. Until next time.